Hello, everyone, and welcome to Angels in Fur Coats. This is episode five. It's entitled, A Story for Another Day. We will first start with that evil kitty, Michael. Was he always that way? This is that story for another day that I mentioned in episode one. Back when the wife and I were, well, the girlfriend and I, we set out to make our fortune by buying a small house with two small apartments in the back. About 10 months old, he showed up one day while I was cleaning out the garage of our new digs. He was having trouble slaying a large bug he was trying to eat. I realized he was so hungry, he couldn't properly function. And as he so resembled a black cat I used to know of the same name, I brought him in the house to try to get him something to eat. I called out, honey, I brought in a friend. At that moment, she still insists that she pictured a black cat as being that friend. We kept him and he proved his worth on the second night with us by apprehending a rat that had figured out how to enter the kitchen through the attic. He would have caught it too had he not jumped straight into the sticky trap I had placed in the kitchen some nights before. He was an indoor-outdoor type, thus developing an independent streak that at times served him well, at other times not so much. He could be proud and obstinate. He also really liked people and once was set to take on the neighborhood pit bull till the wife called him back. This guy truly had nine lives. There was the time he didn't think a van would actually run over him and stop. Stop it did. The van's tire came to rest right on top of him. With him scratching at the tire like mad, I thought, oh, he's a goner. I can't believe an animal can be squashed like that and live. Oh, he was in bad shape, all right. Really bad shape. He didn't walk for months. After that, a bout with infection should have killed him. When a wound in his belly opened up, eventually, miraculously, he did recover. Then there was the alley fight he got into and guessing from the wounds on his rear end, he must have felt overmatched and was trying to extract himself from the situation. More infection followed, and more money to the vet for a, the neighborhood stray cat. Soon after, we moved to Fullerton, as the drive to work was killing the wife. Fullerton was about halfway for both of us. I worked in Long Beach. She worked out in Orange County. So, we got an apartment, no pets, of course. We rented the house to our son and daughter-in-law, that's the DIL, with the understanding that they would watch over Michael. So we saw him from time to time when we would come by to do maintenance on the house. On one of these occasions, he came running to us from somewhere down the street I'd seen that look in his eyes before, some kind of infection or something, but he was, he was sick again. He had become pretty much the neighborhood cat. 
Many people in the neighborhood liked him, as I said. He was a people person kind of cat. But besides a bowl of food now and then, no one was willing to take care of him. He knew we would. We whisked him off to the vet, as I now knew the drill. The veterinarian was a husband and wife, mom and pop shop that I can't say enough good things about. By now, they knew Michael well. The first time was when Michael was crushed under the tire of that van. That time, with antibiotics for this and x-rays for that, the bill was going to come to about $900. Way over my limit for a stray cat. I asked how much just to put him down. That was only $35. I asked to use his phone to call the wife to let her know I was going to let him go. I couldn't afford things like x-rays and blood tests. This gentleman wanted to save him and began finding ways to make it affordable. I learned later that he actually had x-rayed Michael on his own to learn about how best to treat him. But this last time, he was pretty sick. And after I picked him up from the vets, we were a little concerned about his well-being where he was. So, I just brought him to the apartment. Remember, no cats allowed. But this was just going to be until he got better, right? Well, you know how that goes. So we had a secret kitty for the next year plus that we lived there. When we bought a house in Sun City, of course, we took him with us. And much to Michael's horror, we also got a dog. He was so upset, he couldn't even eat. But once I convinced Magic not to pursue the cat, they became fast friends. There was a mutual respect they had for each other. When we fostered dogs, both Magic and Michael helped train. Michael was not intimidated by dogs, so these fosters would get used to having a cat around, thus possibly making them more adoptable. So was Michael this evil kitty we talk about? Well, not always. He took Ichi, if you remember him, he was the kitten that Magic saved from the hawk, under his wing and lived peaceably with Chibi. So we figure since by now Magic has Maya as a mate, Michael should have a mate. Enter Midnight, a six pound ball of fur we got from my DIL. She wasn't at all intimidated by the dogs or of Michael. In fact, she would routinely grab Michael and hold him down while she groomed him. It didn't take long for Michael to say, this ain't bad. In kitty language, of course. Midnight was a sweet girl. She liked watching TV with me. She especially liked Animal Planet's Big Cat series. Her eyes would get real big as she would look up at me and as if to say, those are some big kitties, huh? She also liked, believe this or don't, Laker games. 
I don't know if it was the purple and gold or if it was the back and forth of the game itself, but only Laker games. She wasn't into football much, and baseball was way too slow. Michael loved her, and she loved him. But the love affair was to last only about three years. Midnight began to pee in places other than the cat box. At any given moment and anywhere in the house, she would squat and just let it go. Cat pee and carpet really don't mix, so you can imagine how this went over, especially with the wife. We at times chased midnight around the house as she was obviously misbehaving, but we soon realized something was wrong. The vet we took her to suggested to make her an outdoor cat. So we would let her out in the daytime, but just didn't have the heart to leave her out at night, not wanting her to become coyote food. The neighborhood cats seemed to take her in really well and would hang out with her in the front yard. Hilariously, I once brought Magic out to the front yard and Magic seeing all these other kitties around his kitty. He chased them away because she was obviously in danger from these evil neighborhood kitties. He was always on the job. The problem with her continued to get worse, so I decided to pony up for the money and have midnight x-rayed. What started out as a routine vet visit, for me, turned into a gut-wrenching goodbye. Midnight was the first pet we had to put down. And whether it's a surprise like this or one that you've seen coming for a while, it never gets any easier. They first give her something to relax her so they can put a catheter on her. They brought her to me so I could love her up one last time. Knowing that your time is so short, you try to tell her how much you have loved having her as your pet and friend. But at this point, it's almost impossible to get the words out. Knowing that something so sweet that looks to you for everything will be gone in a few seconds is heart-wrenching for that reason. You know you're doing the right thing, but still feel as though you're somehow letting her down. Almost as sad was Michael's reaction. One of the neighborhood cats that used to come around at night was a black cat, and it was clear Michael thought that was midnight. The sad kitty sounds that Michael made as he put his paw up against the window said it all. He just thought we'd put midnight out. It's clear to us now, when we brought Minnie in, another black cat, he must have thought we were fooling him into thinking that it was midnight. That wasn't our intent. But try explaining that to a broken-hearted feline. It wasn't good. And he never warmed up to Minnie. There are times she would have groomed him, but he would have none of it. 
He not only crippled her at one point, he traumatized her by not letting her out of the cat box and things like that, which led to all sorts of bad potty habits that many never got over and we had to deal with. Even so, Minnie was overall our best cat, but Michael was not an evil monster kitty, but a lovesick boy who even on his last day, as weak as he was, would not have anything to do with Minnie. On that day, I do what I always do. I put the pet next to me and just try to spend some loving time up until the time that we have to go to the vet and say goodbye. And yes, even though by now I know the drill, it doesn't get any easier. I buried Michael out in the backyard and I used a small cement slab for a tombstone. The ink has since washed away, but it said, Michael, the most loving and ornery little prick that ever lived. The wife wasn't so enamored with that epitaph, but I thought it was apropos. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the series of short stories. I have a few more I think you'll enjoy. I can be heard almost anywhere you get your podcast right now. You can also reach me at Angels and Fur Coats, 916, at gmail.com. This is 916, signing off. Thanks again. <laughs>